0: So we need to lower our expectation. We need to change our expectations. We need to stop expecting life to be the way it was before. It's not, and it's not coming back. <laughs>
1: That was a clip from today's podcast guest. This is episode number 132 and I'm your host, Rachel Anthony. And today I have Kayla Betts on the podcast. We are talking about mental health, which I think is a very important topic that needs to be talked about. I don't have a ton of guests talk about it on this podcast because it ends up being a lot more business focused. But I think with the year anniversary of the global pandemic. What better time to really discuss how this is impacting our mental health and what we can do to make the best of this situation that we are going to be in for a while. Kaler Betts is the founder of the Mental Wealth Project, which is aimed at helping people find their peace and purpose to live a more fulfilling life Kaler shares his mental health journey and the inter- internal struggles he faced growing up, even though he was one of the popular kids in school. He was a jock. He had everything going for him. But just because you look OK on the outside doesn't mean you are OK on the inside. He shares a story at, that he started as a personal trainer. He opened his own gym. And then four years ago, he launched the Mental Wealth Project when he realized that it is more than just your physical health. It is a lot more about the, your mindset and your mind when it comes to feeling like you have it all together and not struggling with depression or anxiety or the other mental health problems that people do struggle with, which are intensified by being stuck in your house and quarantine with just your phone and the news. We talk about why labeling mental health can be a problem and maybe a little bit of a cop out when you are justifying your actions or the actions of others because of a label that you have been given either when you were younger or by a doctor. We talk about how to change your mindset around your own mental health struggles and why waiting for life to go back to quote unquote normal isn't really going to work since we have a long ways to go before this pandemic is over. We do give our own real opinion about how this pandemic is going for us and how we think people can make the best out of it, especially if you aren't one of the people that is really struggling with the impacts of the pandemic. Everyone has been impacted by it. Some people much worse than others and no one wants to lose a family member or a friend or get sick themselves or lose their job. And all of those things are really terrible and we're not discounting that at all, but we also are giving the situation a little bit more light into how to make it a more positive outcome when we eventually do get out of this and how you can change your mindset to create a better situation for yourself whether you had social anxiety or if you want to change something about your life or the people that you're surrounding yourself with now is a great time to reflect on how you were spending your time who you were spending it with and what kind of person and what kind of life you want to live when we get to the other side of this so I will now stop talking about it just so you can listen it's a great episode Kaler comes with a lot of wisdom and I know you're gonna like it so let's jump into it here is Kaylor. Thanks for joining me. I'm excited to chat. We were just chatting before and I didn't want to get into your story before recording. So I'm excited to start.
0: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Rachel. I'm, I'm pumped. Let's uh, let's jam.
1: Cool. So do you want to start with introducing yourself and just telling us a little bit about you?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, my name is Kaylor Betts and I guess just on the personal side, I am obsessive with personal growth and development. Uh, I don't think you'll meet anyone more obsessive about personal growth and development than I am. Uh, And where that really stems from is I actually really struggled in my upbringing. Um, I was in like a battle with my mind. I like to say I struggled from anxiety, depression, ADHD, addictions, and I didn't know what the hell it was. I really didn't know where it came from, what it was, because you know they don't teach you that in school. They don't tell you what these things are. And and I don't know if they do now, but uh, I think it's getting better. But uh, yeah, I was just very confused. And I always just really struggled. I didn't really know what to do about it. And I kept it inside, which obviously made it worse. And then I'll never forget, I was in my dad's car one day. This was when I was like maybe 19 or so. So I mean, I'm going to age myself a little bit, but that was like, you know, Thirteen years ago now, um, and um, anyway, so I found a Tony Robbins tape in there, and it was, uh, I believe, like the uh, the "Awaken the Giant Within" or, or one of the one of the ones that he has. And I listened to it, and he gave me this little hint of like you can actually create an extraordinary life. You can actually improve your life, your thoughts, your belief systems are creating and shaping your external reality. And he gave me this little bit of hope that like, I don't have to live in a battle with my mind. I don't have to live depressed and anxious. And that just like really kickstarted like my journey of being obsessive about getting better and better and of growth. And that's the path that I've been on now for the last 12 years. And now I've gotten to this unimaginable place. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur. I've been creating my own paycheck for 12 years. And I've now gotten to this unimaginable place. Uh, And I say unimaginable because it would have been unimaginable to me, like, you know, when I was 19 to be doing the things that I'm doing. And I say that very humbly because it's like been blood, sweat and tears and it's been a journey. But I am just mostly not even talking about the external, mostly just internally. I am, I feel like not only do I have quote unquote normal mental health, but I actually feel even beyond that. And I I just feel amazing, grateful, you know, lots of inner peace. And now what I do is I'm a mental wealth coach. I've been a coach for 12 years, but I I brand myself as a mental wealth coach that's Kind of like a life coach quote unquote um but i think that's a horrible way to describe kind of what we do um so i branded as mental wealth coach and really i just help people achieve the same thing i help people break free of their roadblocks and challenges and break free of of the bullshit that that they are that's holding them back that's making them get in their own way uh and live with inner peace and most importantly improve the relationship they have with themselves
1: I love that. I think that's a really important, I mean, it's always been an important conversation, but I think especially now it's very important to be able to have that open dialogue about it. Do you want to dive a little bit deeper? I know you touched upon what you were going through before you heard the Tony Robbins tape, but do you want to just go a little bit deeper into what your mental health struggles were like, kind of what the day-to-day was like um, and and when you realized that you needed to change something?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. And this brings up a really good point. I mean, externally, like people that knew me in school or my friends and family members or whatever, I was like the popular jock guy who was like not good in school. (laughs) Like I fit all the stereotypes, (laughs) horrible in school, really good at sports, good, good athlete, like popular, like outgoing, um, class clown kind of thing. Um, but inside i was just a mess and and really at the end of the day those were just me overcompensating you know like the the being the class clown the being popular the 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 drinking and the partying and like i you know i getting in fights and like whatever um that all was an overcompensation for a very deep seated sense of inadequacy and unworthiness inside i was just the most insecure guy ever but Found really good coping mechanisms and ways to be able to portray like I was doing really good. And the way I I say it is like I really thought like maybe if I made everyone around me think that I'm happy, maybe then I'd actually be happy. So my whole life was just focused on the external. It was like how do I make everyone believe that I'm the greatest? And I you know accolades and achievements and winning basketball, you know MVPs and all this stuff. Maybe if I do all those things, maybe I'll. finally feel like I'm enough. Um, so no one really knew I was just really good at, at at holding it in and, and covering it up. But really what I was feeling inside Rachel was like, again, inadequacy and unworthiness. And when you feel that way, um, it's in our DNA, like for most of human history, if we weren't bringing value to our tribes, we're very tribal and that's the way we've, we've evolved And our, our psychology hasn't caught up. But for most of human history, if you weren't worthy, you were thrown to the wolves. So our nervous system cannot calm down and it can't be, we can't achieve inner peace and feel calm and and clear headed if we are feeling like we are inadequate. And that's essentially what was happening. And then, you know, anxiety, depression that, you know, gave me, you know, and then I had to have coping mechanisms and I got into the drugs and the alcohol and all that stuff, the sex drugs and rock and roll kind of thing.
1: Which makes it sound fun, but it's definitely not a fun place to be in. Um, it's, fun, so, it's fun
0: in the micro, but not in the not in the macro. It's a fun in the moment,
1: right. And I guess like it's you wouldn't be where you are today if you didn't go through the struggles that you went through. So you don't want to discount those at all. And so the mental wealth project, did you start that right away? Has that been like the thirteen year journey, or has that evolved um since your since you started working on your mental health?
0: Yeah, so I actually, like I said, I started as a coach 12 years ago and I started in fitness and nutrition and I really quickly realized and I loved it. It was like, I was a high school dropout, by the way. I didn't even, I was three credits short of graduating high school. And I, again, the system that we use to measure success AKA the school system told me I was a failure. Like you're not good enough. And everyone would say, you're not going to amount to anything. You're not going it's a, that really cliche story of like, you know, everyone's like, well, if you don't get a degree, if you don't have your high school diploma, you're not going to do anything. And then here I was, I'm like, I love to work out, love nutrition, getting into all this personal growth stuff and health stuff. So then I became a personal trainer and a nutrition coach. And I started to like at 19 years old, see, like I was helping like 45 year old lawyers who were 50 pounds overweight and they were like crying when we did a weigh-in because they hadn't been under 200 pounds in like you know 20 years or whatever and I'm it like hit me I'm like I think I'm on to something here like I don't need a degree for this I don't like and I'm I'm good at this and I can help like people who actually I, I look up to and then I just went on that journey of like you know more so of the the physical health side of things. But then I started to really realize if I want to really truly change people on the external, I got to work on the internal. So then I got into mindset, holistic lifestyle stuff, mind, body, spirit. And then I started to really help clients on a more unconventional level of like really getting into things beyond just like counting your squats and, you know, getting you to eat chicken and broccoli all day. (laughs) So then I, then I opened up a gym. I had a gym for five years and I was a coach there, but then Four years ago, actually, I transitioned out of that gym because I realized that I just want to be a coach. I just want to help people. I don't want to have to deal with all the other things that come along with having a gym, Uh, even though it was actually a successful venture, but I wasn't happy. So I transitioned out of that. And for the last four years, I've really been working on just being uh, the whole, again, the mental wealth. Coach, in that you know, I I work on mind, body, and spirit, and I essentially help people achieve their highest potential. I know that's very broad and high level, um, but I use a lot of different modalities because I've been doing it for quite a while, and I think that it's all connected at the end of the day. But really, what I work on is self worth and self-identity. So the relationship we have with ourselves and if we can improve that, everything else falls into place. So to answer your original question, the mental wealth thing has really only been around for the last couple of years um, was just how I wanted to brand it. And it was just, I, I've always been doing the same thing. I really just felt like I need to come up with a brand and mental wealth was the romantic way of, of branding it.
1: And what does mental wealth mean to you in a sense when people hear the words what are they getting in the bigger picture
0: yeah so i don't know if you know who jay shetty is but he's got you know one of the top podcasts in the world and he used to be a monk and and he's a pretty cool cool cat and uh, he says every human being on this earth is looking for two things peace and purpose and i believe that that is mental wealth you know like we need peace, we need inner peace. And you know people just don't wanna be in a battle with their minds. And once we achieve that, we need something that lights our soul on fire. We need something that makes us hop out of bed in the morning and makes us go about our day with passion and fulfillment. And that's purpose. Now, it goes even deeper than that though. So that's what I would consider to be mental wealth. The real true essence of mental wealth is again, I'm going to bring it up. I think, you know, you're going to hear me say this. I sound like a broken record, but it's, it's the relationship that we have with ourselves, right? We talk about relationships with other people. We always talk about like, you know, romantic relationships and family relationships and friends. We never talk about the relationship with ourselves. And that is the most important relationship we will ever have. And I truly believe Rachel, that if we achieve a healthy relationship with ourselves, which I would consider that we feel adequate and like enough, despite our external circumstances, That is when you mentally will feel on fire. And not only that, not only that is when you won't need all of the external to be happy and feel like you're enough. But that's actually when you manifest it into your life, is when you actually feel like you're enough, because then you chill out, you're relaxed, you're confident, you don't worry about the opinions and uh, judgments of others. You don't worry about rejection. You just go out and life is your playground at that point. So that's really what I consider to be mental wealth.
1: That sounds amazing. I think that's definitely a goal for everybody. And what would you say are some of the biggest, like, not problems isn't really the word, but like, biggest misconceptions or the issues that you're seeing within the mental health space right now?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. The misconceptions, well, wow. oh my God, how much time do you have? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, to, to make this really simple and just give you the cliff notes of that, I would say that the misconceptions. So I would say that I'm going to probably answer this a little bit unconventionally. Um, I think a lot of people would say like, Oh, there's a stigma and like, you know, we're not talking enough about it. And, and, and that's all true, but I want to try and like really actually bring value we've all We've all heard that. Yes, there's a stigma. Yes. We've all heard that we need to talk about this more. And, um, that, that is no question. But I would say that labeling is a a really dangerous thing. I am of the belief that our internal beliefs shape our external reality, right? Our internal beliefs within our subconscious conditioning is literally the lens that we look at the world through right? And everyone, it's a subjective world, right? We're all looking at the world differently. And I think that's very obvious and it's all based on our belief systems. So I'm of the belief that if you have a broke mindset, you're going to be broke. If you see yourself as someone who is unhealthy, overweight, and fatigued, that's the reality you're going to create. And the reason why our psychology does that is because, and I I promise I'll bring this around to your question, but the reason why our psychology does that is because it loves the familiar, right? We create these internal beliefs about who we are and then it just wants to do what's familiar because what is familiar is certain and certain equals survival. And the way our psychology thinks is what better way to survive than to just continue doing what we already know to be true, what's already familiar. So that's why we all play out. Like some people wonder like, why do I keep going back to the same guys? Why do I keep, you know, blowing money? I make it and then I blow it. Why do I, it's because you have these internal beliefs that are familiar to you and your, your psychology wants to match the external with the internal. So where I'm going with this is if we have labels for mental health, Like someone says, you are depressed, you have manic depression, you know, or you are bipolar, you have borderline personality disorder, you have socializing or social anxiety or ADHD or whatever. Well, we then adopt it. We usually hear this from a clinical professional and then we then adopt it into our belief system. And you'll often hear people say, oh, I actually was relieved when I heard the label and the diagnosis. And it's like, yeah, because your psychology loves a certain, it loves certainty, it loves what's familiar, it loves to be able to confirm that, like, oh, I know what I'm dealing with here. But the problem with that is you then identify you, I then adopt it into your self-identity, and then you will, I truly believe, play out that you're always gonna use it as a crutch. Like, I have depression, and and it's gonna be extremely hard to get out of it if you adopt it as your self-identity. So, one of the things that I did, Rachel, was that I think changed everything was I didn't let anyone tell me that there was something wrong with me. I didn't let anyone say that I had depression and this is just the way it was. And this is a chemical imbalance in your brain. And this is just, and truly that's why I believe I was able to get out of it because a lot of people who get a diagnosis and go on medication and see a psychotherapist for the rest of their lives don't really get out of it. They may get a little better. They address some of the symptoms, but they don't actually get out of it. And a lot of people don't like hearing this because it goes against conventional, but whatever, I'm done with, you know, being, you know, with the narrative all the time. I'm not afraid to go counter narrative. I'm not afraid to go counter cultural. I truly believe that this will change mental health. If we just tell people, hey, you don't have a broken brain, you you are dealing with something currently, but it's not your identity and you can get out of it.
1: Right. And I feel like it also, like you said, people start using it as a crutch and then it's a justification for actions after the fact, and they don't want to take responsibility for what they're choosing to do. Um, And so what would you say to people that already are like past that? So they've already been labeled. It's already like in their subconscious. How should someone seek to get out of that.
0: Yeah, you're great at asking the right questions. So first off, you, you hit the nail on the head there, Rachel. It actually also comes down to responsibility as well too. What blows my mind is that, and, and it makes so much sense, and this, this can be game changing. So if you're listening and you self-sabotage, if you get in your own way, this is typically why. It's because it actually takes more courage to break free of our crutches and break free of being a victim and take ownership and responsibility of like, I can live my dreams, but it's uncomfortable. It's unfamiliar. And there's way more responsibility. That's when we're the most vulnerable is when we actually go after what we want, because then we have everything to lose. You know, Homer Simpson said the first step towards failing is trying. Right. And he's right. That's the way our psychology thinks. If I don't try, then I don't have, any opportunity to fail. So you said it right, it's like the responsibility is scary. Um so then we just want to keep going back to like, oh well, my doctor said that I'm depressed and I have social anxiety, so like that's the reason why I can't achieve what I want to achieve and our ego loves to be able to say it's your fault or it's the disease's fault or whatever that I'm not achieving the life that I'm meant to achieve. So to now answer your next question, um, when it comes to what if someone's already got the label and they've already adopted it into their subconscious? Well, the good news is that we can reprogram our subconscious. (laughs) We reprogram it in the same way we developed it. So how did we develop our subconscious programming? Well, we mostly, and I'm sure you've heard of the inner child, right? A lot of people say the inner child. We mostly developed our subconscious programming when we were young in our upbringing, primarily from zero to six years old. And how we developed it was through our environment and our experiences, which then gave us evidence right of how the world works and it gave us evidence that we then took and formulated the belief system about who we are and how the world works and then it was deeply ingrained as a subconscious conditioning and that's why people say we have the inner child cuz you that shit doesn't go away it's still inside of you and it continues to be there even in adulthood but we change it in the same way so if In the first place, we developed that belief system through our environments and our experiences, which gave us evidence and then made us formulate the belief system. We change it in the same way. So guess what? We have to change our environment and our experiences, right? We have to do something we've never done in order to get to places we've never been. So what I always say is interrupt the pattern. Okay, so if you've gotten this diagnosis, like I have borderline personality disorder, and my psychotherapist told me this, and my doctor gave me medication, and, and you know that you developed an in your belief system. Well, consciously, right, so we need to be aware of our thoughts. And, and when you have some self doubt that comes up, or when you have when you like catch yourself saying, I am, you know, Borderline person, I have borderline personality disorder, whatever. Catch yourself in those moments when you're thinking that. And then reframe it and, and really say, okay, this is something I'm currently dealing with, but I know that I will get better and you got to start believing it. And how you start to believe it is you need to feel the emotion of already being there. And I know that's easier said than done, but I promise you with time, it's a practice and slowly but surely you will start to change um, those belief systems. And Just do things differently. So if, if you're, let's say someone said you have social anxiety, you have to, at some point, if you're afraid of events and public speaking and whatever, and it's hard now with COVID, but at that point you have to change your environment. You have to feel the fear and do it anyways. And you got to do it in little baby steps. Don't just like go up on stage in front of two, 200 people. Once COVID ends, start by like, you know, going to a dinner party and, or a, a dinner with like three people and speaking more. And like, it's called desensitization. So, you know, it's tough, it's tough to answer in two minutes, but that's my best shot at it. <laughs>
1: no, I think that's totally, that's a great answer. And I feel like, like you said, it is hard with COVID, but I also feel like COVID is giving people the opportunity to decide then what they want to do when they come out of it. And I've even had this with myself. I'm like, oh, well, there was like these people that I don't know why I was hanging out with them, but you had no excuse really to not. But now everyone kind of has a fresh slate for how they want to spend their time and who they want to spend it with now that we've all realized how much time we were probably wasting before and i think that that's the same with with what you just said with surrounding yourself with new experiences and new people that are really going in the right direction and now is your chance to get rid of maybe the toxic people or the people that were labeling you or the ones that were enabling you and be able to have those new experiences to get yourself out of it like go to the dinner parties with the people that will make you want to talk in front of them or things like that or bring you to events or all of that and i think Despite the negative parts of COVID, I think that it is an opportunity for people to reflect on who they want to be when they come out of this.
0: You, th- this is such a good point, Rachel. What you just said is crucial. So, I think the best way to answer it would be like so: Imagine if someone like has social anxiety. Let's just say, and and like they they have identified, they've adopted it as this belief about themselves. Well, one of the best ways to Disrupt the pattern and to start to change your environment and your experiences is find someone who used to have social anxiety and is now doing great like myself, right? I dealt with social anxiety, believe it or not, I really did. And I still do to a certain extent in certain situations, but I have like moved the needle forward. I don't consider myself to have quote unquote social anxiety anymore. You hang around me long enough and you hear about where I used to be to where I was now. Like I used to have panic attacks sometimes when I was around people and like you hang out with me and you'll get to believe that it's possible. And you can, you'll say like, if you can do it, so can I kind of thing.
1: Exactly. And now that we're on the topic of COVID, which is really important right now, because I think the mental health effects of being stuck in your house in quarantine is going to, is already huge, but it's going to have a major impact going forward, especially when we start to have quote unquote normal life. So what would you say has been the journey for you with your mental health during this time? And what have been some of the major obstacles and challenges that the people you're working with has have also seen?
0: Yeah. like. Look, I am, I don't think anyone is immune to what's going on. Um, I don't care. Like I am in the best place I've ever been. You know, I started this podcast by saying I'm in an amazing place and I feel like I'm not only in the normal, uh, you know, realm of mental health, but I actually feel very mentally strong. But it's it even gets to me. And, and this is why I feel for like if I would have been going through this during my low points, man, I, and this is why I feel But for people who are already struggling and then COVID hit right now, there is a flip side to that. Um, and I am seeing it with my clients. And I have I have conversations with people from all over the world who are interested in in my coaching. Um, you know, even if they don't end up, end up signing up, I still talk to these people and I get to know their stories. There's a flip side to it. There are actually, depending on the situation, I've actually seen more people than you would think have their mental health improve because it's a pattern interrupt, right? It's sometimes sometimes we gotta go through a breakdown and go through a breakthrough. And you know, sometimes this, something like this needs to happen. Sometimes you gotta get worse to get better. And sometimes people needed something like this to be able to like really sit with themselves and be like, wow, I gotta make a change. And sometimes it's the thing that made them change. Um, but with that being said, there, there are still a lot of people who are struggling and it's really, it's really, um, it's really sad. Uh, it, it really, really is. And no one's immune to it. Uh, the isolation and everything is, is tough. So, Um, I think that answers your question.
1: Yeah. And for someone who is struggling and has been struggling over the past year, um, what advice would you give them just to have a little light at the end of the tunnel? Since, especially like we're in Calgary right now, we're still in lockdown. I know other places are opening up, but there's still a long journey ahead for this. So what would your advice be?
0: Two, two things. Number one, Seneca says one of my favorite quotes ever. He says, we often suffer more in imagination than in reality. And I will say this, there are anomalies. There are some people who are genuinely very much suffering right now, but you know, to, to give a little bit of tough love, we've always been suffering, right? Like the, the world is full of suffering. Life is suffering as they say in Buddhism. Um, so look Yes, this is a tough time, no question. But I think there's actually a lot of suffering and imagination right now. And I really implore people to look around and when they are suffering, to really look around and be like, you know what? I have a roof over my head. I have enough money in my account so that I'm not going to starve. I have people that I can call at any moment that we've never had in history, the ability to do, and you can even see their faces. You know, there is, this is, I still believe the best time in human history to be alive and also study history. My grandpa Got conscripted to the army and had to leave his family to go into an airplane as a paratrooper and jump out of a plane on the beach of Normandy, one of the most famous battles of all time, into a war zone, risking his life, not knowing whether he was going to die or not. He got shot in the knee with a grenade shrapnel and lived to tell the story. So sometimes tough love actually really works. And sometimes people don't want to hear this, but I'm going to say it. You know, sometimes I'll be sitting at home in my, you know, like in comparison to human history, a beautiful place that Kings would have died to live in, in, in human history. And I'll look around and I'll just be like, what am I even complaining about? Or what am I you know, going to be sad about? And, you know, I'll think about my grandpa and I'll be like, I'm pretty fucking soft. I don't know if I can swear. Sorry. for Yeah, I've totally. No that. worries. <laughs> um, but I'm pretty soft. You know, like I can't even jump out of an airplane because I'm afraid of heights. And my grandpa jumped into a war zone. Uh, like, so it's like, I think we need to put things in a perspective and we need to stop, you know, suffering in imagination a little bit. I know it's easier said than done. Um, but I do want to bring some tough love there. The second thing would be to look. Every negative emotion is just an unmet expectation. So we need to lower our expectation. We need to change our expectations. We need to stop expecting life to be the way it was before. It's not and it's not coming back maybe ever but but not for a long time if it is. We're still like probably 2 years out from like real normal life if that's even going to be a thing. Um, Of course, we're going to go back to some sort of normalcy, but so we need to ditch our, some people are still living in the past, Rachel. Some people are still clinging to the idea that life should be normal. And it's like, guys, move on. Let's pivot. You know, I'm, I'm now living the COVID life and I have not dwelled on the fact that we're not into normalcy anymore. It's hard. Sometimes I do. I get moments, but I've moved on. I've changed my business. I've pivoted in every area of life to just make this new way of life work. And my expectations aren't too high.
1: And I think that goes back actually to what we were saying before with the labeling. And I think you're like, people are labeling themselves with like, oh, poor me, it's COVID, which again, like we said, there are people that definitely are suffering in these times, but for the majority of people, it's not as bad as you're making it seem, but you have a mindset that you're like, oh, well, I can't go for dinner with my friends or I can't go to a concert or like I have to wear a mask and you get very caught up in it and don't really take responsibility to, like you said, just pivot your life and make different choices and and do it differently knowing that now we have the next, like you need a five-year plan basically now. It's been long enough where we can't be like, oh, I think it's gonna be over. Like we already know it's not over. It's not gonna be over for a long time. And so really to take the responsibility of how you want to live your life moving forward.
0: Yeah. And we've had this amazing run of like 75 years or whatever, where we've just been like, we've literally lived in like the most peaceful, like, and yeah, shit has happened, but we've just lived in this like golden era of like, not a lot of adversity since I guess world war two ended. And, you know, that's why I say 75 years. Cause I think that's about it. So yeah, 75 years, almost exactly. So, like we need to realize that like this is just life like we 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 experience like really tough tough periods and life is, life is suffering. Like I said, it's really tough. And, and we need to realize that like this actually is going to build some resilience. And I actually think there's a lot of positives. And again, I, I, this is hard to say, and some people might not like this because, you know, again, people are dying from COVID and you know, there are some people who are, are genuinely really suffering like we've alluded to, but really at the end of the day, I think we kind of need this. It's toughening, toughening us up a little bit and it's making us more humble, grateful. Like this has humbled me. Like, crazy and i've seen even my friends have been humbled and and a lot of it's actually a good thing
1: definitely and i i feel like there's a lot to be said for the media that you're consuming and the people that you're talking to i find when i get the most like down on the situation or when i feel really negative about it it's because i've just had a conversation with like a friend or a family member that is like the worst case situ- situation. And, and you leave being like, Oh yeah, maybe this is really bad, but then like, it's not. And I wasn't in that mindset before, but I find that I, it's either the media or other people that are really changing the mindset rather than just being in a situation that we're in.
0: You you bring up such a good point. And that should be number three of, of my advice would be stop watching the news <laughs> and follow unfollow Jerry from Facebook who keeps talking about <laughs> the conspiracies and all the bullshit totally. about what's going on like and that's actually one thing look i'm fascinated by politics and i i actually really it's almost like a hobby for me to kind of like and particularly the american politics um i really was heavy into that last year and like i could tell you i know more about us politics than canada politics which is crazy because i'm from But um, I really in this new year, I actually haven't. And I'm actually glad that, you know, Biden's in now because not because I particularly like him and I'm not trying to make this um, political, but I'm glad that he's in because the news is boring again when it comes to US politics. And I'm just happy to like take my my attention out of it. And I've actually been so even me, I've been more happier, more optimistic. If we just don't listen to all the doom and gloom that friggin' CNN, it, oh, it's just the worst. And and like that everyone is putting out there, it's just so toxic. So I'm way happier. So yes, guys, stop watching the news. Stop talking about conspiracy theories. Who cares? You know, as Elon Musk says, I'd rather be optimistic and wrong than pessimistic and right. So some people would say, Oh, we should know about them. Cause what if they're true? And it's like, yeah, but how is it serving your highest quality of life?
1: Exactly. And on the topic of social media and what we're consuming, how, I mean, I feel like this is an easy question, but I want your opinion on it, how social media impacts mental health um, and if it's beneficial or harmful um, for people that are using it, especially nowadays when we're all we're all on our phones a lot more than we used to be.
0: That's actually the most difficult question you've asked so far, <laughs> <laughs> if I'm being honest, because that's not an easy uh, it's not a it's a complex thing. Look, I I look at social media as a tool. It's no different than fire. Right. Fire can burn California down and kill animals and people or Australia. Like it can, you know, it kill people. It can, yeah, it can burn your house down essentially. Or we can also look at it as it's also kept us alive. Without fire, we wouldn't have been able to, you know, cook animals and be able to, um, you know, warm our houses up here in cold ass Canada. So, That's what social media is, is it's fire. So for someone to say it's inherently good or bad, it's just, that's, that's not the right way of looking at it in my very, very humble, but strong opinion. Like, I really don't think we can say it's unhealthy or healthy. It can be healthy and it can be very unhealthy. The difference is, is what is your approach? How are you using it? Just like with fire, how are we using it? And I think social media For me, I only follow people that lift me up, lift me higher, positive, high vibes. So when I go on my Instagram, it's like high vibe, positive. Like I get an uplifting uh, feeling from when I go on Instagram. But then there's the next person who go goes on there, and it's just filled with conspiracy theories and like, you know, compare. You know, you're comparing your life to people who are just like making their life seem like this big highlight reel, and and you feel shittier about yourself, and you're just getting a quick dopamine hit, and it's just like distracting you from what you should really be doing. And then also boundaries. We have to create boundaries behind it. Like, you know, I really don't scroll on my Instagram all day long. I check it in the morning, afternoon, and night, and I batch it. And I use it for business purposes. I love putting out content and then people say it resonates with them. It helps them. And then that fulfills me. So it's how you use it. And it's, um, or just like, you know, dating apps are the same. Like people always ask me, are these good for a mental health? It's like, of course, but you got to use them properly. Right. I mean, that's really all they are.
1: Right. I guess that's what, like everything in life, there's a limit to, how good it can be and then too much or use the wrong way. It can be the opposite. Mm -hmm. Um, A couple more questions. So for people that want to know more about your mental wealth community, how does that work? Can they, I know you have a podcast and you're putting out content. Um, What can they expect? Where can they join it?
0: Yeah. Like, um, you know, we're trying to create like my mission and my team's mission is to create mental wealth across the globe. So, you know, we're really just like creating amazing conversations. We're, um, posting things and I'm posting things that are helpful to, you know, mental wealth and creating mental wealth. This is why I come on podcasts like these. Um, so what, I would ask people to do, you know, a few things. Number one, follow me on Instagram because that's where like I promo and do like, that's like the center of my mission is like, that's like my website almost. It's like my storefront. You know, I post a lot of what I think is valuable content for people who if they're struggling with their mental health or they just want to be better with their mental health. um, And it's at kaylor.bets on Instagram. And that's Taylor with a K. So K-A-Y-L-O-R and then dot B T T S. Um, and then, uh, yeah and then you can follow the Mental Wealth podcast on uh, Instagram you can also find it on uh you know any kind of where you find your podcast or whatever and it's actually mental.wealth.podcast because the goddamn other <laughs> handles weren't available but we're we're working on that and I just went on TikTok I just got a TikTok account so I mean I'm I regret regretfully because I last thing I want to do is add another platform but uh it's just so powerful I got to get on there
1: Totally. Um, And that was gonna be my last question, what your handles were, but I want to know what other resources that you like to listen to podcast or read like podcasts or books or resources, because I know you're into the mindset and personal growth and stuff.
0: Yeah, you know what, like, so I'm gonna, I love giving like unconventional answers. Um, I will give a few like resources, but I now you know how they always say the best way to learn is to teach. People are like, man, like you, you seem to know answers right away. And like, and oftentimes like, I I mean, again, I'm obsessive about these things, but really where I learn the most is by coaching um, people because I get to hear the problems they're going through. And then I get to like really creatively have to like look at uh, objectively look at their situation and help them. Um, So I just want to say to your listeners, the best way to learn is to teach. So, you know, I don't care who you are you can mentor someone, you know, you, someone younger than you or who is farther down the path or whatever. Like, take someone who's farther down the, or like, or, I guess, more behind on the path than you are and teach them and help them. And trust me, it's like the best way to learn. Um, but in terms of – so I actually don't consume as much anymore, but in terms of podcasts, um, some of my favorites are – Uh, business wise, I I really like the Mike Dillard show. It's, it's, um, he used to be the self-made man. The Mike Dillard show is great. The Tim Ferriss show is incredible. Um, you know, Joe Rogan, I'm a huge Joe Rogan fan. I know that's pretty basic, but you know, he's, he's incredible. Um, who else do I like? I like Lewis Howes, the School of Greatness. I like Jay Shetty's show. Um, Oh, I know I miss Oh, Tom Bilyeu's show is incredible, Uh, Impact Theory. So I know I'm probably missing some other ones, but those are my favorite. And then books, I am really, I just read a book called The Courage to Be Disliked. And I can't even name the authors because they have these crazy names. I think they're Japanese, but it's an amazing book. Uh, anyone I've recommended it to, they've absolutely loved it. And then I'm also deep into Dr. Joe Dispenza stuff. Mm-hmm. He is mm-hmm. incredible. And um, I think he's like the next like Mother Teresa. So, well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for all those recommendations and thanks for coming on and sharing All the wealth about mental health.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, thanks for having me, Rachel. This is awesome.
1: Thanks for listening to another great episode of Poolside Podcast. I really appreciate you sticking it out to the end and I hope you learned a lot from Kaylor. He had a great perspective on mental health. He also is a great resource for mental health if you are looking for more information about just what he does and the message that he is spreading. So make sure you check him out on social media. Also, I would appreciate if you shared this episode. If you like it on social media, tag both of us. We would love to hear what you think. Also, if you want to, I would love if you rated and reviewed this podcast. It really helps. It shows Apple and Spotify that this is a great podcast to listen to. So I will see you in the next one next week.